to Inside Sports Dead in Goal podcast number 57. Again? Yes. I love 57. It's my favourite number. We're going to stop on 57. <laughs> this is going to become the equivalent of, uh, of Newtown's home crowd. <laughs> Apologies for our people who were downloading multiple editions of this podcast and uh, and they keep coming across number 57. I, I keep uh, mistaking the number. Um, how are you going, Jefferson Tenera? I'm going well, James Smith. I'm, go- I'm going, uh, you know, going much better than you, I suppose, you know, in terms of God. like I'm worrying about the stability of the coaching situation at my club. At least people are talking about my club yeah. for once. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, never, it's never good stuff. Is, is it better to be talked about in terms of uh, an administrator kind of debacle or is it uh, worse to be talked about in terms of outright scandal so a la salary oh. cap or you know kind of oh. you know sex kind of uh, sex capades I like the first one the first one <laughs> <laughs> what was the first one what was the one in the middle <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the first one is administrative uh, kind of uh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah debacle it's great isn't it it's great that um, we're talking about stuff off the field. Like about two, or, about a year or two ago, it would have been player why, yeah. Why are we talking about stuff that happens on the field? Yeah. And that's all we've been doing this year. So yeah. it's refreshing to have a bit of drama. Um, so on, on yeah. this, yeah. Yeah, less than a month out from the finals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in your <laughs> club, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the most rugby league thing we did. What we're most looking forward to, of course. Mm. Uh, and then we're going to have a bit of a discussion inspired by one of our loyal listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to run over our Twitter uh, listener responses to our fantastic question, which was, uh, you're the CEO of an NRL club and you're looking for a new coach. Um, how do you word your job listing on Seek? And we've got some terrific answers. Really inventive, this very is, funny. This is close to my, my favourite one, <laughs> favourite set of responses ever from my tomorrow. <laughs> Listeners, oh, fantastic guys. Great stuff. And um, and we'll finish the podcast with a interview with Ben Eichen that I recorded just this morning. Um, ben Eichen. Yeah. Who's he? Exactly. He's our 5'8". Fatty Vaughton. <laughs> Fatty Vaughton didn't know, <laughs> but he does now. Um, oh. So, that, yeah, so that, that, that's a um, real treat there. Uh, most rugby league thing we did. Um, want me to kick off? Yeah, sure. I carried through with my... Dream to go and see Jonathan Thurston play live mm. for one of the last times in Sydney. Um, just a terrific night. Um, apparently there was only three people there at the Roosters-Cowboys game. <laughs> if, you, if you listen to people who weren't there, and they, and they know, they know best. Um, really good. Cowboys got done. Um, uh, Boyd Cordner presented JT with the game ball inside mm-hmm. a glass case. There was lots of... You know, mutual admiration going around everywhere, and that's and becoming a thing, isn't it? The game ball, <laughs> the game ball. Sam yeah. Thayde is going to get it uh, apparently yeah. this weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah for yeah. the first three hundred. Yeah, I don't know which, what they, how they decide which is the game ball because mm. it's about six or seven. Well, that's just it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit rough, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like a it's like a memorabilia scam almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I wore this jersey, or I've signed this jersey, or, or, or whatever. Or, or just say if you're involved in a nail biter and you've got to kick the. The, the goal from the sideline to win the game, you'd want that ball marked, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Did JT get a guard of honour? Because guard of on- guards of honour are, uh, are things these days. He well. didn't get one going out, but mm. going back into his change room, um, I, I think the rest of his Cowboys teammates had gone into the into the sheds, and the Roosters like formed this terrific guard of honour, and he did the whole wave to the crowd, thing, mm. and, and the Roosters' face all cheered him off. It just restored my faith in Roosters people, basically. <laughs> I think, I think I think if you really want to you know, like measure kind of the esteem that 
the players hold for, you know, say a, a grade of the game. We're going to get to the, the stage one day where they're going to do the guard of honor on the field during play. And like one team will just open up their defensive line and invite a guy to score a try. <laughs> yes, that's good. Like they do in the cricket. Like they do in the cricket, right? You know, you come into bat, you know, the, the, the fielding side lines up or, you know. Once again, <laughs> you've blown it apart, mate. That's my second best rugby league idea ever. <laughs> yeah, Number yeah. one still remains the interlocking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Win- oh, well, it's not Winfield Cup anymore, but yeah, Proven Summons Trophy. And we will see that one day. You we will watch. get it one day. Um, and yeah, and, and what I really liked about the whole thing was I know this is no big deal, but it's really important to the fans. Like I was sitting behind all the Cowboys fans, not in the corporate box or anything. I went as a as a member of the public, mate, so don't worry you about Did you pay for your ticket? Um, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. A member of the public who doesn't pay for his ticket. <laughs> I might have paid for it. I paid for my food. Does that count? No. No? <laughs> $19.25 for a hot dog or whatever it was. Wow. No, it wasn't that bad. Was um, it kind of like, you know, this better be the best hot dog I've ever eaten? And it's like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you damn it. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. buying the Barney Gumble experience, with, you know, <laughs> yeah. Alianza Stadium food. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're lucky. Um, and, yeah, and the Cowboys came over to the sideline where the um, Cowboys fans were. And um, I, I just it just warmed my heart to think that, you know, they made the effort to not only just go halfway you know, 20 metres away and wave. They shook hands with all the fans and all that, and JT had a lovely clap and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's just it's getting sad, though. It's, it is like a farewell tour. Every captain, every opposition captain has a bit of a word to JT. Yep. You know you know what's said, you know, thanks for everything and congratulations yep. on a great career. But, yeah, it was a, a magic night on a on a very cold and very empty stadium. Yeah, you're, so. be, you're really getting a sense of the wheels beginning to turn. We're going to get a bit of this with Billy, I think. Oh, yeah, Billy, yeah. In the yeah. next few weeks, too. Yeah. Is that the big uh, news coming out of today, is it? Well, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. yeah, he's announced his retirement. So, there um, you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, and equally, like, he, he stands kind of almost in equivalent terms uh, to to Thurston in, in, a, in mm-hmm. kind of relation to kind of this, this era of players. So, yeah. In the same The thing is that that could be all the way in the grand final. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, got a lot of football left. <laughs> so um, we know what you did last week. Oh, yes. What did you do this week? All right. I, as, I, as I said last week, I usually should follow up a 10 with a zero and see if I could repeat the dose. Yep. Came close. Got a two. <laughs> oh, so, God. You know, yeah. Jeez. And I've, as I've, as I've, you know, kind of, <coughs> and I kind of, uh, Talked about before, uh, yeah. It is so hard to get that zero. <laughs> yeah, you tried, did you? No, you wouldn't have, because you're in the running. You would have tried. I'm, I'm kind of in the running, but you know, like, mm. you see, that's that's the whole thing. Like, but um, who did you get right? I can't even. I think I got no. Penrith right. Okay, and jeez, yeah. um, didn't get Melbourne right. Obviously, uh, there were some upsets, weren't they? The dogs beating have, Brisbane must, must yeah. have been because yeah, no, the dogs beating Brisbane was certainly one. Uh, and mainly beat Cronulla, so there's another yeah. one taken out. Ah. Uh, who does St. George play over the past weekend? I'm, I'm just uh, getting a mental blank. Oh, me too. Um, St. George lost to the Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, that so that's another one. might have been it. No, oh, no, no, right. no, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, did pick, I did pick St. George there. I'll have to look that up. Oh, well, no. yeah. yeah. It was uh, not, 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 not hugely important, but uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, oh. So, yes, I, I didn't get uh, my 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 uh, kind of... Yeah, that kind of Esteemed kind of ten zero <laughs> kind of yeah to do it twice in a row yeah would have been because admittedly I think the first zero was on a was on a rep round 
So ah. I was on a split round rather. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I only got five wrong. So to, <laughs> to get in the eight would have just been, yeah, would have been uh, memorable. But, um, there you go. Yeah. So there, there we go. Like the vari- the variance uh, of league coming to catch me again. And yeah. this have, yeah. after I just chided the NRL in 2018 for not being the balanced competition. It's been kind of <laughs> for the for the you know for the, for, as it has been in this recent period. So we know, like, you know, uh, the middle of the table you know, is, is certainly a bit a back of, of the eight. Well, technically, eight is the middle of the table. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, having, having argued that this is kind of one of the more stratified kind of rugby league comps in recent years, comes out and we have a round full of upsets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So never, screw me. It's never in doubt. Mm. Um, so what we're most looking forward to, um, I'm going to nominate the Women's Rugby League Grand Final, the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. Grand final between second placed Mounties and minor premiers, the Rabbitohs. It's uh, the 5.30 curtain raiser game on Friday night at ANZ Stadium. So that should be really cool. We're, oh, all right. Yeah, we went to um, last year's event, which was at Leichhardt Oval. That was the, the grand final of the Sydney Metro women's competition. And mm-hmm. just the standard is outrageous. It's When does the, really the women's NRL comp, comp start? Is, I think that's soon, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it first week of the finals? So they have basically yeah. about three weeks from the end of this yeah, to the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the NRL uh, women's competition, of course. But this is the long-running yes. Sydney yeah. uh, women's comp. Which, which is, of course, doesn't exist because, you know, <laughs> now, yeah. they've got, now they've got a women's NRL. Yeah, we'll, we'll totally forget about every other every yeah. other women's competition in existence. Yep. Yeah, women's AFL w- was the forerunner to women's sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, it was year zero. So there yeah. you go. Was, we yeah. won some. We won some Olympic medals. Women. Yeah. Women won some Olympic medals for us. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's right. There was, and then, as you said, then there was no other women's sport. <laughs> Bloody butterfly killers. <laughs> um, and what about yourself, mate? What are you most looking forward to? Um, I mean, the correct answer should be Rabbitohs versus Roosters. Like, yeah. you know, again, uh, I, I, you know, having just talked up how good it was to see Rabbitohs storm kind of uh, last weekend, we've got another kind of banner uh, <sighs> kind of uh, matchup at this end of the season. Another one for the overreaction caucus if, you know, either side kind of wallops the other. I can only imagine what, you know, how, South, how excited Souths will get if they were to win that one. Yeah. They'd, they'd feel like, shit, let's play the, <laughs> play the grand final now. Yeah. Um, but real, realistically, aren't we all looking forward? Well, of course you are. You look forward to it every week. But aren't <laughs> we all looking forward to when Penrith plays this week? <laughs> yeah. After what's happened, you know, in, in oh. the events of this, of this past week? It was going to be the nondescript game of the round, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. 3 p.m., Gold Coast mm-hmm. versus Penrith. It was just going to be... Five, six, seven thousand crowd. Mm-hmm. Wow, unbelievable! Yeah, I. It, it, this has all the hallmarks of <laughs> either a big win for Penrith or a big loss. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, they're it's, not going to lose by two. Yeah, it's, I totally it's, it's agree. a dull yeah. and nondescript game. I'll be shocked. Like, it, yeah. it, it, you know, it really has the makings of, you know, the playing group kind of rallies together after, you know, after kind of you know, Griffin, Anthony Griffin's left the building. Mm. Or just you know, and they play great as we know they're capable of very good side, or they'll you know they'll kind of be distracted and there'll be a bit of a kind of psychological burden from having to like you know kind of having to put up with all the carry on of uh, of uh, of the lead in week and they'll yeah. come out with a bit of a flat performance. But uh, yeah, 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 and they're on the road, right? They're, they're, yeah, it's that, that game is up there, so it's one of those things that um, the Gold Coast, yeah, and that actually might help. It like might. kind of kind of getting away from the eyes of you know of mm. Sydney, 
um, just allows you to kind of isolate maybe your performance a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's the question. I'm I'm just curious to see kind of um, you know I'm I'm my uh, kind of the thing that I really enjoyed this week is seeing how like that term has now be that that modern kind of professional sporting term became ensconced in the rugby league lingo this this week that you know the coach has lost the playing group you know yeah you know, wow. really should do it you know, should take more care and you know go out and find them but uh you know that that that, that now has become a part of the of the the NRL parlance that uh that you know that the coach can no longer like you know has to be a bit of a team player himself yeah. can't you know can't go around like you know barking orders and being dictatorial as they were in the old days you know yeah, there's only kind of a handful of them around that could afford to carry on like the, like the old kind of masters, you know, of previous of previous uh, eras. Mm. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you've got to. You know, everyone's a professional now. You've got to make nice, you know, in the organization so that just you have a you have a smooth, functional workplace. And uh, plainly, uh, Hook. No, God, he's named Hook. He's nicknamed Hook <laughs> in the first place. What? Um, what yeah, you know, he's first first fallen prey to that. What are these people like? Mm. Come on, harden up! Mm. I, I'm, I've got a real bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, from this you really, whole you, thing. Re, you really do. I think you need yeah. to get. I, need, I think you need to get it off your chest. Your whole, your whole feeling <laughs> as a pattern. If only because, admittedly, you haven't been, you've, you've been off work for the last couple of days. You haven't yet been subjected to me making fun of you of it. <laughs> That's for true. Enough for it. You've been uh, being subject to it for about a morning, in which I just kind of <laughs> yeah. talk about, you know. Yeah. yeah. Although I must admit, it kind of re- re- rebounds or rebounds on the magazine itself. The headline, like kind of the front cover words we have are the Panther process, which <laughs> now looks like a very, very ironic joke. So, you know. Our recruitment I, process. That's what I, I know it doesn't refer strictly to what we're talking about right no. now, but like, plainly that, you know. Yes, the Panther process can refer to yes, uh, get into the uh, get to the top five in the league, then fire the coach <laughs> four weeks out from the finals. Sorry, I can't sorry. So yes, yes, the floor is yours. <laughs> I, I, I want to get your. Uh, oh. You're kind of pro hook, aren't you? Yeah, I'm pro. Um, tell you what, I'm pro. Mm. Not stealing other people's coaches who are on contract for another two years. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got. Lots of resources to to play with. We've got we, so many juniors. Penrith. Yeah, I reckon. Penrith, I, I Panthers. couldn't call this week. Part, part of the team. I mean, I've poured a lot of money into supporting <laughs> this group of bloody players <laughs> over the years. Yeah, but by that token, well, you've poured a lot of money into East. I uh, into the Roosters as well. Can yeah, you start saying yeah. we, we with the Roosters? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> See, uh, anyway, I'll continue. No, I just um, what, why why uh, Ivan Cleary? Okay, so that we can keep Nathan Cleary. Hmm. Is is Nathan Cleary? Uh, maybe you're the person to ask this because I'm I'm too hmm. entrenched in it and biased. Mm-hmm. In your eyes, is he that good? Is he worth all of this? You know, and this is easy to tip on my head because because I'm, the fact that I'm asking this mm-hmm. must mean that I don't rate him very well, and I do. He's a champion. I spoke to him face-to-face a couple of weeks ago. I really like the respect that he has for, yeah. for everyone it, around him. I don't know. To me, short answer is... In a generic sense, the shorter answer is, short answer yeah. is no. I don't think any individual player yeah. in, in the sport is, is kind of worth that. But Penrith um, think that he's... Well, I, I know, that, I know yeah. that they, they have... 
they have a, a, a sense around kind of Nathan Cleary that makes it more important than, say, your average good kind of league player is to their club. Yeah, Again, yeah. He's, he's homegrown. Yep. Um, you know, he is, you know, I think there's a real proprietary sense of, the, uh, of you know, the supporter base towards, uh, towards him. I mean, and... Um, it's never the speculation's never going to go away as no. long as as long as his father is kind of another, like, as another club. So yeah. I, so I kind of agree with you on that on that level to a degree because you know players can go. I mean, you can you know you can you can still. I I can't think of any scenario where the departure of one single player is like proven absolutely fatal to a club's fortunes yeah. to the degree that you know they can't kind of. Rebuild you know, know, yeah. in, in the yeah, in the near term. So, I, so, I totally agree. And to support your argument, James Tedesco, Aaron Woods, yeah. and Mitchell Moses left the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Masses of talent there, and they just got on with the job. They brought in a new mentor, mm-hmm. and they kept going. Whereas it seems, from Gus and uh, and the board's point of view, is that we really need to hang on to this kid. Yeah. It seems mysterious to me, particularly in light of the whole Matt Moylan experience, you know, yeah. in, in in the past year or so. As good as um, he was considered, he's gone and we've moved on. Well, that's just and like Penrith Mints, as we say in in our in our cover story for the uh, for the uh, <laughs> uh, 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 sorry August edition. Yeah, this club mints talent like nothing else. Like you yeah. know, it's got the best nursery in town. So Jerome Lewell, I just entered the scene a few yeah, weeks like ago. I, and showed that. If Nathan Cleary to leave, it would you know would probably be you know it would be kind of in in the, in the short to near term yeah not very good for the club and you know maybe he does you know turn into like the gun half of, of this uh my my word for today is era i think i mentioned era a lot so yeah but oh, the gun the gun half or playmaker of this era but i don't see how that you know that it's it's impossible for you know for penrith to replace him particularly with what they've you know with, uh, with what they've got yeah i don't think their credibility is on the line when when you know when he leaves but no. That might be a different feeling, kind of within the club. Yeah, which um, it's interesting. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no. I was just, and it's going to say as well. Um, every other aspect of the club is so well run. Mm. Um, the 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 juniors that are lining up to get into the junior teams yeah. are so strong. Then you've got the flag and, and estuary ball teams themselves, which are high flying. They all trends. Uh, transfer over to the interest of a premiership side, which has just wrapped up the premiership a month out from, just wrapped up the minor premiership a month out from the uh, semi-finals. Um, you'd think in that system, if he did leave, we would have enough talent to yeah. to keep going because we've got Maloney in place already, yeah. a forward pack that rolls along, arguably one of the best forward packs in the comp. Yeah. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of why how this all happened. And, well, and the answer is because they worship Cleary, uh, Nathan Cleary, and, and he's the future. So Here's another oh. uh, kind of angle on this, and I actually raised this as a question to you this morning. Or maybe <laughs> it was a question. It was probably me dictating a point because <laughs> that's kind of the way this works. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, from a dis- looking at this from a distance, yeah. like it, it looked like to me for all the world, like, I, sorry, just to insert another clause here you made the point that you know the club is well run yeah and you know so that kind of you know the, the point i'd want to make about that is that yeah the, the club is a larger club yeah and for me at a distance as i was saying this looked all the world to me like um a situation where you know i, I really think phil gould you know wishes he were the coach still of the mm-hmm. football club but mm. really 
doesn't want or doesn't have the wherewithal to do the day-to-day part of that job anymore, like having to be on the ground and having to be at the games and to deal with the media. He's got so much going on yeah. in, a, in, in the rest of his working life that, you know, being kind of in the front office is kind of, it provides a nice balance. But, you know, it looked all the world for me like this idea that you have this very powerful figure with an extremely strong track record in coaching. Yeah. You know, and, you know, then having this other figure who plainly was, you know, was causing disruption, not only in his relationship with him, but, you know, in, with the rest of the team. So, you know, the logic of the organization would then say that, okay, we need kind of, you know, like a, a coach, maybe even a coach just in name who can implement what uh, what Gus wants to do. Yeah. Right? Now, now, some you can characterize that as having kind of a yes man. But another way of looking at it, and I guess this is my question to you, is yeah. you and I have often had this kind of, um, you know, we, we, we question why at certain rugby league clubs the coach is so powerful. I think it emanated out of a scenario once where we were trying to pursue a story mm. and we, we got shot down by the media department of a certain club. I can't remember. I, 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 I won't name the club now, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, if I have to... I think I have to remember it kind of, I have to scan my memory to, to actually avoid giving out the wrong name of the wrong club. Yeah, yeah. But they said, oh yeah, no, the coach just, just called for a media ban last week. Yep. And I just went on an absolute rant about how, why is it that the coach at this club, who is technically a middle manager, you know, why does he get to determine media policy for the entire organization? Yeah, That's yeah. not right. Like the media, the media kind of part of, uh, of the media work that, a football player or a representative of the football club does, does more than merely relate to his on, to the on-field performance. It contributes to, you know, the, the reputation of the club and the wider community, the commercial performance to a degree. So that, those are decisions that should be taken way above, you know, kind of the, the you know, the coach. But sorry, that's a long-winded way of saying certain coaches have way too much power at certain, uh, at, at certain clubs, particularly if they are a very strong figure, and all the elements at the club around them are weak. Yeah. Now, this seems to be like a uh, like a contrary situation where the organization <coughs> has struck back. Where yeah. you know this is a case of the of the club saying we are bigger than the coach, and yeah, that's the reason why. And I think Griffin might have a more old school. I've described him as old school. Maybe he has a more old school view where I'm the coach. I get to run kind of the on field portion of this, and. The front office is saying, no, you are a guy who has to implement kind of a larger organizational vision. Maybe. And if, yeah. you've, if you've lost everybody in the club, well, then it's not, you know, it's not feasible. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my question to you. Is it, is it that he, he just, is he, is this a symbol that, you know, Penrith and maybe some other kind of more progressive rugby league clubs are looking more like modern workplaces where, if you've got kind of a senior figure who you know can't relate to the rest of the organization, yeah. you know he plainly can't you know hold on to his job there. I think so. Yeah, he's a short answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, he, he, the word power keeps getting bandied about. Mm. I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't mind how much power Phil Gould has at Penrith. Yeah, I don't even mind if. If there's a rumor going around that he coaches the team, yeah. and that all Serraldo or, or Hook do is is carry out Gus's plan, yeah. and he's the real master, I don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. It's just as long as they win. Yeah. I, I wouldn't care if it was was revealed that Brian Fletcher and Dave O'Neill were the real coaches and they were coaching Gus. I don't care. Like on Twitter, you hear all the time, "Oh, how much of a bad look it is." 
we were up the top of the table halfway through the year mm. with Gus supposedly the real coach, so I don't really care about that. Mm. But um, and I just wanted to turn my attention to, you know, I just said I don't care about bad looks. Horrendous look for the people on the other side of the yeah. equation, the Tigers. Yeah. I've, I just, I'm a rugby league romantic and my heart breaks for the, the Tigers side of all this, all those fans who um, were encouraged by... Ivan Cleary's, you're either on the bus or you're not. Yeah. Get, on bus the bus, get on the bus and then the bus drives off to Penrith. <laughs> <laughs> Next stop. Oh, best bus ride from here, from Lightcrack down the M4, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I've gotten to know a few of the board members on the Tigers mm. board. They're lovely people. They're sharp brains. They're, they're good footy people and they care a lot about what they do. Mm-hmm. Um They've been towed up a few times this year, but what they're doing is generally the right thing. Mm-hmm. They're going in the right direction, and now this has happened to them. Right? Yeah. And and I'm not about to, you know, I didn't come down in the last shower. I know yeah. rugby league politics, and I know cloak and dagger exists, and it always has. But yeah, it's just a shame. That's, that's the point I would the point I would uh, bring up here. <coughs> it's really kind of surprising as I've learned about the culture more and more of of. Of rugby league in in Sydney, I guess is probably where you is, is where you're properly located. Yeah, but yeah, this really is part of the game. Like like kind of like luring players over and getting guys to, to breach contract, and you know <laughs> all these kinds of tampering has always been part of the game. Like I mean, it's it's probably when you get when you get down to it, I guess that is the origin story of the game, isn't it? You mm. go across to you know, a bunch of you know kind of. Union players at Glebe and say, you know, jump and jump across. Yeah. Admittedly, that's not a, not really a super fair comparison because they weren't on contract. But um, yeah, like this this kind of thing really seems to be so much in the DNA of the game. Like I can remember getting in an argument um, a couple of years ago for the round thirteen rule, where I was saying, you know, it needs to be, you know, this process needs to be cleaner. And you know, kind of the guys I was arguing with, longtime rugby league fans, will say, you can't do it because you're just always going to have. Mm. This kind of behind the scenes stuff with with agents and players and uh, yep. and and the clubs, and unfortunately, like I don't think like just because that's the way it always is, that's not the reason not to try to clean it up. Yeah, like yeah. you know, I mean, you know, corruption, because, because corruption just... will always happen, but you got to have laws against it. Yeah. You got to have you know, you got to do things. You know, just because the corruption will occur, doesn't you just throw your hands up about it? Because just having the laws on the books will have kind of a, a powerful regulating effect. Like I, I guess my view of this is shaped a lot by, and I'm an NBA fan. I think this has you know, been uh, properly aired on this on this podcast before. The NBA has terrible problems with this too. Is that like, right? It, it yeah. always goes on. Like uh, people have been you know, kind of trying to parse, you know, the last year, year plus about you know when LeBron actually decided to go to the Lakers, <laughs> and you know it's um. You know, the, the league has tampering, has anti-tampering rules, and they actually just levied a fine on the Lakers in the case of another player. Yeah. And people think it's toothless. But, you know, like, if you don't really crack down on these things, it's actually a signal to, you know, to the people, well, it's it's open slather. Yeah. Go, go for your life on this. And, you know, listen, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, you know, kind of the, the attitude towards, you know, kind of, the notion of the, the, your word being your bond kind of in the game or, <laughs> yeah. or maybe it even dates back to, you know, our, our favorite trope, which is the game has not been professional for very long. We like to say it is, but it really mm. hasn't. 20, and, 20 years for full professionalism yeah. since the nineties. Before that, it was semi-professional. Mm. And I think that, you know, kind of in that atmosphere is a bit more permissive where, 
oh yeah, this is what you just did on the weekends. That yeah, sure, jump club. Yeah, not, yeah. not a big, not a big deal. So yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and when you when you had a comp that was limited to the bounds of just just the one city, as the old NSWRL was. You know, it kind of facilitate, facilitated those kinds of moves. That's not, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a major. You didn't have to cross country to go and play. No, you know, no. to play. You know, uh, to, play, to keep playing in the comp yeah. for another team. Oh, and, and the other thing too is, it's not a good look for the fans. Mm. The fans don't like this sort of stuff. If Ivan signed, yeah, for the but next why two are years, we so obsessively following? This is another media driven thing. <laughs> yeah, bloody media. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, so they're the worst. <laughs> Um, Fake news until it's real. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, do you want to uh, turn to our Twitter responses? Yes. Then, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, do you? Have, what, what would what would be yours? What would be? I'll mine? give you mine. Mine's very you know. Mine's, mine's yeah, very okay. short. Yeah. Or something like you know, um, you know, free tickets and car space available at games or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Um, and uh, and deal with get, angry get fans. to see get to see games for free. <laughs> it's got to be some draw card, doesn't it? Mine would be free merchandise, <laughs> free jacket, <laughs> free tie. Yeah, mine would be um um get the cop the blame whenever things go wrong and be worshipped as a hero when things go right. Yeah, it's, it's and and there's no in between. There's no. <laughs> You're going to have a normal day at work. That doesn't exist, does it? <laughs> That'd be mine. Get, um, get fired within four years. <laughs> yeah, I love Jack Gibson's. Um, Jack Gibson wouldn't be entertaining any of this. He would say there are two types of coaches: those that have been sacked and those that are going You'd to be, be sacked. Yeah, well, that's that's basically the profession. Yeah, exactly. Any yeah. any sport. Um, th- this week's question for you guys was: uh, You're the CEO of an NRL club, and you're looking for a new coach um, and you're about to place a seek job ad listing, um, how do you word it? And uh, Karate Warrior 2 has, um, uh, in an American voiceover... You want me to do this one? Yeah, you do. So, so, yeah. So I, got, I got the, I got kind of the accent. <laughs> do you like being underfunded, understaffed, undervalued and undermined? Does nothing else warm your heart like the full support of the board? If so, then this job is the job, then this is the job for you. Call 1-800-TFSOTB. Contract, sub- uh, contract duration subject to erratic change. <laughs> Beautiful. Who wouldn't apply for that? <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, pursuit of hoppiness. Ah, we have to... Uh, uh, the sub-point of that tweet has actually uh, made... Um, TFSOTB, for those who are not you know, following along, is a, is a warrior's, the warrior's uh, kiss of death because it <laughs> translates to... It's an acronym for the full support of the board. That's all you need. That's all you need. Once you get that, yeah. uh, pursuit of hoppiness says... Uh, um, caretaker for a pack of snowflake <laughs> millennials <laughs> required <laughs> experience in hand holding hoppiness obviously follows a lot of rugby union <laughs> experience in hand holding and gentle pats on the back a must third grade or lower maths knowledge a bonus <laughs> <laughs> take charge kind of people need not apply that's great uh, uh, I, I just want to add something there about the whole millennial <laughs> thing because the best the best uh, the best the most reasonable thing I've ever heard about this uh, this kind of criticism of, of the millennial footballer, as, as we have now, came from, uh, sorry to bring it in, from, from the other rugby. Oh, here we but, go. Uh, but, uh, Michael, I'll come back. Michael yeah. Checker, who is very much a leaguey. Like, you know, Checker loves his, loves his league. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I asked Checker about this once, and he said, um, he, says, he says, I don't really think it's a big deal. They just got better phones. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? <laughs> Which is really true. So you know, he, he, you know, his, perce- his perception was players haven't changed. It's just that the phones are better. So blame the phones. Which <laughs> is a subject. We will be bringing up later. <laughs> yeah. Foreshadowing. Don't you love it? Sorry. Continue. Beautiful. No, I'd, and just to, uh, further on that, Regan Campbell-Gillard, James Tamo, Trent Merrin, they can bash holes in blokes. Hmm. But if they don't like what sort of coach <laughs> they've got, then everything just turns to, yeah. Uh, that's what I find really difficult to understand. Anyway. What if their coach was like Plumber? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll get you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, then you're not going to perform, are you? You're going to try and steal really not. one one percent of <laughs> one cents from <laughs> Jay Dwight. We have to do an office space version of yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Find that crossover audience there for the people that you know. Just as a way of explanation, James Where, and I love the movie Office Space. Where's the NRL stapler? Yeah, yes, Jay Dwight. Jay Dwight. Um, I've got to give him a mention before we read out his response. He's a part of his collection of Newtown Jets memorabilia mm. was focused on um, the Rugby League Antiques Roadshow on the fan this week. Mm-hmm. So if, if you catch it, because they repeat it a lot, yeah, yeah, the Newtown stuff, this is Jay Dwight's um, material, which uh, I thought was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Dwight would word his job ad as, do you love sport? Can you lead a team? We're looking for an experienced coach to lead men who will often behave like children. There's a theme here, isn't there? And not play to the rules and ignore instructions. Must have broad shoulders. Ability to blast refs a must. Job security not guaranteed. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, doing at it all day, sir, says, uh, must know the difference between whether a ref's decision is correct based on whether you won or lost. Uh, you'll have the full backing of the board. Keep a straight face when asked about signing a new player or being poached, not smile, uh, can kick a chair. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be able to kick furniture, don't you? And there is a point here, right? <laughs> you know, this is actually making me think about something. Um, one of the things that you see in league, and I, I, admittedly, it's only two, so two becomes a trend in my in my sports writer mind. <laughs> Technically, it is. You, you kind of got league coaches who, who are cops. Bennett, yeah. right? Bennett, Bennett Wright, Garth, um, Garth Brennan being another, right? Yeah. Is there any more? But, you know... No, that there aren't, but there are a few referees as well. Yeah, like, okay, but... Harrigan, so you, blah, yeah, blah, blah. That's, that, yeah, that's, that's a, I think, a bit of a different case. That's the but, ultimate law enforcement. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is more, that is more uh, reason or uh, rational in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, to think about, like, maybe kind of the thing that, that rugby league hasn't caught on to is if you look at the number, of particularly of BKG coaches yeah. who come from, uh, like, uh, teaching or PE teacher backgrounds. Okay. So yeah, they're used to you know taking care of children. So maybe that's kind of the failing that the, or the uh, you know the the shortfall that we have kind of in in rugby league. Good one. Too many cops, not enough PE teachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> You're right. We could do another episode about that too, couldn't we? Rue Masters is effectively a PE teacher. Wasn't yeah, he? he was actually. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Uh, Ronnie Palmer, all those sort of people. Yeah. Uh, Dan from Sportress says, um, are you capable of coaching a rugby league side um, to not give up <laughs> <laughs> big leads? Know how to win close games? Uh, maybe help with some edge defence? Then you need to coach the Canberra Raiders. Occasional smiling preferred. See, smile, smiling is very important to the outside world, isn't it? If a coach smiles, um, that seems to fix things up. Does it? I yeah. always thought it's a sign of weakness. <laughs> like the coach is happy. Now, now we're going to be really going to be worried. None of them do, do they? Wayne Bennett cops it, mm. but none of them do. None of them smile. Mm. 
Um, yeah, anyway, uh, M uh, Muzzle Sports says help wanted. Small community run organisation <laughs> requires assistance conducting daily fitness classes <laughs> for twenty five young men. <laughs> Must be available weekends. Bus license preferred. <laughs> Upward management skills desirable. Oh, that, yes. is, that is fantastic. <laughs> Muzz was one of the first respondents to that this. Is, so thanks very much. That is awesome. That <laughs> is really really good. And this is. Well, a, I think Muzz is 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 in the strong <laughs> lead for the. the, the, the uh, there's a real the lack of award. There's a real lack the prof of prof um, award. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got to start. We've got, we've got to start handing books out, don't we? We do. We've we got do. a lot of new books. We've we got do. the latest range of books on. And if you like BKG, I'll give you a ton. Of <laughs> Maybe we'll give the worst answer a BKG themed book. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, God, you're... that's harsh. <laughs> yeah. um, We've got one book right now. Uh, Sam Thayer's book. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a ripper too. Really good. And just to finish off, um, thanks for including at Philguild15 on this, uh, John Nugent. Really appreciate that. Um, his uh, job ad would read, NRL coaching position available. Must be able to collaborate with whomever I decide is going to pass explicit instructions from me to you on how to coach the team. You must be a clear communicator. I do not want my instructions to the players to be mucked up by you. <laughs> At Phil Gould 15. Yeah. Oh, well done. Very good. That is, that is, that is outstanding. <laughs> that is some of the best, it? <laughs> so there you go. Some uh, budding CEOs out there, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Management um, material all over our, all over our Twitter. Um, so, yeah. All right. We'll move on to uh, this interview that I did with Ben Iken. Um yeah, real real favourite of mine. I like him a lot. I have, I sit there watching him on NRL three hundred and sixty, nodding my head quite a lot. And and as you'll find out, um, he's he watches the game from um, the perspective of he gets these news journals on mm. on a week to week basis, and he sits there watching it like as if he's a representative of somebody consuming the news. Mm-hmm. It's a really good perspective to have. I've always liked Ben. I've always respected Ben for the, the thing that he does not have that, that ex-player kind of bias to him. You know, like ex-players yeah. tend to see the game in, in a certain way. <coughs> and you could have fooled me that if, he had, you know, if I hadn't, hadn't known that he had played, that, you know, that Ben really, you know, that he, you might have been able to fool me that he was, he, you know, he came from a background other than, you know, having played and played at a very, uh, at a very high level. So yeah. I've, always, I've always kind of liked the... Yeah, kind of like seeking out his views of, um, yeah, kind of um, whether it be kind of just what a team is doing or kind of league-wide issues. Yeah. I know he's, he's kind of a, he's a thinker about kind of the, the sport as a whole. Yeah, so we'll end with that in a sec. Um, was there anything else that we needed to discuss before then? Like, well, there was a question that was... bugging you? Or? Yeah, there was, a, there was a question that was posed to me by, by, by the warrior, Karate Warrior, during the week <laughs> about, you know, Kind of observing the uh, you know kind of the madness that is the, um, the the Twitter bubble in the NRL, and the question was was that was posed was um, yeah what does kind of someone from the outside of it you know kind of how do they kind of perceive all the craziness within it, and I guess he kind of latched onto me as somebody you know you know who kind of is it a bit of a remove yet at the same time it's something of a handle on it and I thank him for that you know. <laughs> You know, other things to do, but you know. So do you think? Do you think overall we're too reactive? Listen, I my the the thought that I kind of posted out there, and uh, that I kind of want to kind of elaborate upon now, yeah. is that you know, 
whatever is kind of the prime characteristic or the most extreme characteristic of any kind of fan base, yeah. uh, you know, will be taken to the most extreme, you know, to the, the greatest lengths by, by social media, so by, what would by, be, the, by the Twitter bubble. What so, would be your ultimate example of that? Well, like, you know, to kind of, you know, kind of draw an example from, you know, if you look at, like, say, what, you know, in, in like soccer Twitter in, in, in Australia or yeah. like NBA Twitter, like from, from the basketball in, in the uh, worldwide now, it's not yeah. even just the US. If you look at kind of the characteristics of those fan bases and extrapolate, okay, what is the most kind of like, you know, you know kind of prime quality that, you know, I mean, uh, that these fan bases show? And like, for example, I, I reckon when it comes to the NBA, I think it's shallowness, but you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of by the, an obsession with kind of like celebrity and like kind of the star driven impulses of the league. Yep. That, that's, that drives so much of NBA Twitter. But, you know, so to me, it really is less a, com- it, it really is a commentary on what are kind of like, you know, what are the characteristics you know, of the rugby league fan base, and it's kind of been interesting for me to observe, mm. kind of in my time since since moving to Sydney, coming to learn kind of what, yeah, kind of yeah, the NRL you know, NRL fans in in the collective, mm. and it's hard to kind of obviously you know, kind of type a large group of you know, people in in this way, but you know, I, I I get the real sense that what comes pouring out of of, uh, of NRL Twitter is. I've often been a bit surprised at a bit of the insecurity about about the league fan base. I, I really do. It's, oh, it's a really it's a really good game, but I think there's always been a sense, and I don't know whether this is another working class thing or, or what have you, but there's there's always a sense that you know a, a bit of negativity about yeah. about the rugby league fan. The sense that the game is not quite as good, kind of as as it should be, or is you know it's kind of you know kind of like. Like for one example, I think like in recent time when it's fallen behind in terms of say of revenue generation um, compared to the BKG, which has become very aggressively and you know assertive about how how well it's doing, you know that I think tends to reinforce a, a big a bit of negativity on the on the part of the rugby league fan, and that is made you know hugely manifest mm. on Twitter to the degree that you have things like you know have things like ha- hashtag refs fault or yeah. you know, and then you need like counter campaigns like you know hashtag talk the game up. Yeah. So you know that's that's my that's my every fan base is crazy on Twitter. They're, they're, you know for, oh, yeah. for, for yeah. any game, I don't think you know kind of you know the, the rugby league or the NRL is the lone ranger on this one. But mm. I think kind of the worst characteristics. In terms of yeah, just basically kind of a, 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 a downbeat quality on the game when the sport, as you've kind of always explained to me, has has a lot going for it. Yeah, has definitely. a lot going for it. Yeah, to be the number one game in you know sometimes you you read kind of like the discourse and you you know you, you think to yourself shit you know isn't this the number one game in the, you know in town in in uh, in two of you know, Australia's three biggest cities. That can't be wrong. You know, a game that could command a billion dollars in meteorites, it can't be really that much in trouble. But, you know, to read kind of you know, the discourse that you do, you know, through, you know, through social, you know, you'd think the whole enterprise is about to fall over tomorrow. Well, that's... And, and I, I think that there'd be people out there wanting me to say what I'm going to say next. Mm. A lot of that is media-driven. A lot of it is... I know, I know you don't necessarily agree, but it really is. If you... 
if you pick up the paper so every the day, me- so if, so if the media started saying positive <coughs> stuff about the game for six months, that you know that this thing would evaporate. Ab- I don't, I don't absolutely, so. I reckon it would. Listen, I disagree. I absolutely reckon no, it no, would. no. I totally disagree. If you've got Buzz Rothfield there writing yeah. article after article about how good NRL is compared to AFL, mm. it's even starting to take over cricket. Mm. It's even starting to encroach on into New Zealand on rugby. People would. St- the media is very powerful. No, no I, di- I totally disagree. I actually, I actually think it's so embedded in the fans here you know this sense that you know this defensiveness this kind of crap so, uh, you know yeah. let me tell you the, the one you know the one area where this doesn't afflict the rugby league fan mm. is state of origin every year state of origin comes on and the rugby league fan is extremely kind of like proud and you know confident about look at how how majestic is this this is the number one thing in australian sport yeah, annually yeah. and there's a sense of self-confidence and once you step outside of the origin sphere, that all evaporates. It all yeah. goes away. To me, I, I really believe that, you know, um, I'm a believer in the opposite. I, I think that, you know, something in the media to a degree gives the people what they want. And so, like, if if there's an appetite out there for the media to sell bad news, you know, to, to the public, I think it's because one of some, there's some portion, some healthy portion of the public that supports that. I, okay, I'll give you an example. Last week's immortal ceremony mm-hmm. seemed to be well received by the media. Mm-hmm. I reckon if, if if the media decided this this ceremony was really bad, this person missed out. This makes a mockery of the whole thing. And if the stories came out negative about about the concept and all that sort of thing, you would soon get waves and waves of negativity. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm only saying that because I've grown up consuming rugby league media mm-hmm. my whole life, and it's only I don't know. It, it was it was. A couple of years before social media came along that I just decided, you know what, like, yeah, I, I don't like reading negative stuff about about my game. Um, you, you, you're right, like, not everybody's going to be swayed, swayed by what they read in a newspaper. Like, people have got brains, I, mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying, but I think it's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, and the, the media and the game do go, you know, hand in hand as far as promoting the image of it. Listen, I, yeah. I just find it hard to believe that what I would call a fairly narrow portion of voices, mm. like within, because, you know, a large part of the, I would argue that the larger part of <laughs> media that is consumed by fans is not what the newspapers say. It's actually yeah. the broadcast of the games. And it's not Fair like enough. they're yeah. talking down the game when, you know, when, when, the, when that But, but even they have been. Oh, what's, what are they checking this yeah, for? So. Terrible yeah. decision. Yeah. What, what I will um, admit to is there are a lot of people out there in league land who pay their money for the season tickets etc is mm. <laughs> a rugby league thing is to think that you can do better at running the game than the people that are a lot of people look at look at it and think this is disgraceful <sighs> what's that journo no blah 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 yeah i just get the sense that you know that, that negativity <laughs> yeah, yeah you know pre-exists what anything what the media thinks and that and that is the reason why that it's there yeah because like, yeah. if you know if <sighs> I know bad news sells, but you know the. Um, oh yeah, you know, I, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't kind of understand kind of how you know such a persistent kind of like negative voice about the game would find any audience if there wasn't you know if if it wasn't already there, and <laughs> and, and and that's what I find. I do find that you know because you know the game is encroached on 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 you know on various sides by. And what have you, you know, rival codes, yeah, you know, threats from overseas, you know, um, yeah. There's a sense that you know that this has always been kind of, 
you know, the, the, you know, kind of younger brother to you know to to the other the other rugby card, yeah. as I as I love to call it. You know, the, you know that that's always kind of kind of led to a bit of a neurosis on the part uh, part of the league. I'm happy to be I'm happy to be shouted down from uh, oh, from, from from this position, but um, yeah, yeah. But I re- I really get you know. <laughs> I really get that there's there's that sense you know it's an to me it's a mystifying lack of self confidence because the game is you know is oh. is a very vital game I find I've got uh, a great idea for a Twitter question <laughs> for next week I'll, mm. it's going going to go off uh, um, is that it anything else mate that you want to cover off any um, other gripe the uh, yeah the only other thing no the only other thing I'd say is yeah <laughs> kind of is calling back to last week I don't understand all the the ref complaining oh, okay <laughs> in yeah, this sport. Yeah. That's no. the only other bit of craziness <laughs> on the on on the social front. That uh, yeah, until you know, you, until you know, unless you expect this game to be the first and only perfectly refereed sport, there must be a perfectly refereed sport on the planet. Mm, we maybe. need to go find it. It's always the ref's fault, mate. Mm. Always. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, here's Ben Iken. Ben Iken, thanks very much for joining us on Dead in Gold this week. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, excellent. Um, just thought we'd uh, timestamp this interview um, from the top in and around the Panthers hook drama. Um, being a coach sounds really fun, doesn't it? Uh, not at the moment, uh, particularly <laughs> not with respect to this story. I have, like most people in rugby league, heard the rumblings uh, around Anthony Griffin at the Panthers since the start of the year that... Phil Gould was apparently coaching the side, something that you know Gus has denied, uh, but the relationship souring between Griffin and Gould uh, somewhere along the way, and not long after, it just been extended for two years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the backdrop, of course, has been the, the steady improvement of the Panthers, you know, a side that at one point was premiership favourites in the minds of many. Uh, the last month has been a bit tough, but it's all come to a head now, and... Gus has put the foot down and Hook's fallen out the back door. Uh, Cameron Sorreldo will now take over and try and, I guess, save the Panthers' season, which is every chance of happening. But to your first question, uh, no, coaching is uh, not fun. No, uh, never fun. contemplated it? Oh, yeah, no, no I have. I, I, I had a stint as a, an assistant coach to Paul Green at the Winner Manly Seagulls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in 2011. And I often say to, to Greeny, who's obviously gone on to have a great coaching career, that uh, we lost our first six games straight yeah. in, that, uh, in that season, that uh, it was me that took over in game seven and sort of got our season back on track, which is, of course, a complete lie. <laughs> uh, I think I was doing one session a week, and even at that level, uh, with my bit part role, watching the, the stress that Greeny went through, I decided then and there that coaching wasn't for me at any level. I'll right. just I'll, I'll just continue to work in the media and pass a commentary on the role of the coach. <laughs> As we all do, yeah. Um, and the, the drama must be uh, mouth-watering to someone like yourself, like, you know, the host of a league news panel show. Have you always been a follower of, of the news? Have you always been interested in in the drama and the news of rugby league? Absolutely. Yeah, right at a, a basic level, which is me and my mates catching up a couple of times a week for coffee, breakfast, and solving every rugby league problem that's ever been. You yeah. know, like most people do around a water cooler at work who, yeah. lo- who love the game. And that's the filter I apply to my role on NRL 360, yeah. is when I sit there and, you know, inquire 
uh, from the journalists about what they know. Uh, when I take a position on whatever issue is in the public domain, I do it as though I'm with the cap at the cafe with my mates. You oh, know, good. and that's because we're fans. Um, at our core, we, we, we've got our teams, uh, we, we tip each and every week. Uh, we like to think that we know more than, you know, the bloke across the other side of the table, <laughs> which is effectively what 360 is. So for me, landing at Fox Sports and uh, ending up hosting a show, uh, like I do, it was just a natural progression from my um, my personal life back up there in Queensland, and it comes across too on air. You can tell. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's I mean, it, it's 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 about as authentic as it gets, uh, and. You know, my position as host is that I, I, I leave the journos to make all the phone calls and, you know, find out what's happening, you know, inside the clubs and at NRL HQ and I just remain genuinely inquisitive, you know, because if it's not in the public domain, if the NRL or the clubs or any stakeholder hasn't been tra completely transparent with the fans, then I won't know either. I don't go chasing information. No. So that allows me as host of that show to pick the brains of the journalists as though I'm a fan. And with the end goal that by you know, the, the completion of NRL 360 on any given night, that we've unpicked every issue and that the fans know more uh, about those issues than they did before the show was watched. No, okay, yeah, yeah no, that's a good answer. Um, and uh, hanging around news people, has that changed your perception uh, in any way, like as far as what you want to know about about rugby league? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Is there still that romanticism of some stuff you don't want to know? Yeah, I, I I get a bit, I can get a bit cynical with respect to uh, the sort of highest level of decision making in the game. You know, there's uh, there's sometimes a, a demonstrated level of lack of industry knowledge uh, <laughs> out of. Uh, the, the governing body and then there's also the, the self-interest and the, the politics that you know flows between the clubs and I've called it the dance of distrust publicly before you know the clubs believe the NRL to be incompetent at some level the NRL believes the clubs to be self-interested and for both reasons neither stakeholder believes the others in a good 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 position to make the best decisions for the game and they're sort of both partly right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we kind of do this dance where we never fully arrive and the game uh, isn't as well run as it should be mm -hmm. um, for multiple reasons. Uh, but I guess um, being on the show, I, what I have learned is that, you know, the media plays a role in the game that I don't think is properly understood by those who work in it. And the, the reality is that whether you are a, an administrator, a player or a coach, if you are working in the NRL, you are employed in an industry that's funded to the tune of $2 billion by two media organisations. Yeah. And that there is going to be a public commentary, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but always exaggerated for effect, <laughs> that you cannot avoid. Mm. And therefore you can't complain about it because ultimately it is those uh, billions of dollars from the media organisations that pay your wages. Now, if you don't agree with that, if you've got a philosophical issue with that, then you can coach or play or administrate rugby league without the public commentary, but it's, it's the local league. You can go there, but you won't get paid for it. So, you know, don't cop a million dollars a year as a coach or a player and then complain about what people say about you, you know, because you're working in an industry that's funded by media organisations. Is that said amongst the playing group? 
when you're playing? No, no, everyone's no? sort of... I think it's a... No one fully acknowledges it. I think no. deep down they know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the other part of it is, is that, you know, if, if you want the billion dollars to continue to roll in, then, you know, the narrative that is wrapped around the game has to remain interesting. If, if we only at Fox League or at Channel 9 or, you know, all the mastheads around the country that yeah. report on the game and inside sport uh, is certainly in this mould. If, if you only gave the version of the truth that the clubs and the players wanted out there, no one would read it or watch it because it's goddamn boring because they dead bat everything. So it's left to the journos. If, if, the, if the coaches and the players, the administrators, whoever the stakeholder is, if they're not prepared to jump in and make that narrative, that story that's wrapped around the game interesting, it's left to people like you and I, James. Mm. You know, we have to dress it up. And that's where we end up exaggerating for effect is we, we grab hold of, you know, uh, one try or one moment in a game and... You know, we, we glorify it. We, we hit it with gushing praise or we hit a decision to sack a coach, you know, four weeks out from finals with all the journalistic inquiry that it deserves. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the boss of a footy club decided that the, the relationship with his head coach wasn't working, so he moved him on. And that probably happened 15,000 times across the country. I agree, but if that's how, if that's how we presented <coughs> it and that's all that we said, which is exactly how the Panthers would want it presented. <laughs> yeah. let's, just, let's just announce the news and move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, no one would watch, <laughs> you know. But the opposite is true. I mean, NRL 360 in this particular week, Monday afternoon, Anthony Griffin gets sacked. Uh, pretty much all of Monday night and Tuesday night shows were dedicated to that one story. And night three, Wednesday night, which is what we'll do this evening, we're going to have Anthony Griffin on the show. To so have his say. Great as a Panthers fan because you don't, you're dedicating your whole week Correct. to my club. <laughs> to the biggest and most interesting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the dance of distrust. It's a cheeky question. It doesn't look like it is danced too much on, on, your, on your QRL board that you're on. Yeah. Uh, is that a, you know, how's that going? And it's, look, I'm only seven months into the role now and uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky in that uh, I've been on a, a, a rugby league board before. I've sort of come at the, the rugby league administration uh, bottom up and, and top down. I was a, a commercial manager at the Titans for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sat on the board of the North Queensland Cowboys oh, right. for a few years. Uh, and so I've kind of been exposed to the wants and needs of other stakeholders at a couple of different levels. Uh, before I took the, the QRL job, I was invited onto a, a committee for the NRL uh, to look at the play development framework model, which is effectively a redesign of, of junior rugby league yep. to meet the future needs uh, of participation growth. And uh, that's effectively why I, I um, wanted to be on the QRL board because the QRL's charter is to, to manage rugby league underneath the NRL right across the state of Queensland. Um, and the largest part of that business is junior footy. And okay. so we're having some really engaging, interesting, forthright uh, conversations about what the junior game needs to look like into the future to protect the participation growth in the sport, which has stagnated, you know, over the last sort of decade. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a it's a uh, well balanced board. It's got representation. Uh, from multiple stakeholders, so we have independence. We've got a strong chair and Bruce Hatcher, who's yeah. been in and around the game forever. Great character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we have uh, 
the three regions, so northern, uh, central and southeast, each of the regional chairs also sit on the QRL board. So basically these are the guys who sit at the coalface of junior rugby league across the state. So the, the QRL board has what you could call industry experts uh, yeah. as part of the, the, the governing <coughs> process, which I, I think is important. You know, if you're... And, and, and you take the Australian Rugby League Commission board, for example, I, I don't think there are enough industry experts... Yep. Uh, got Wayne Pearce. around the table yeah, yeah. Uh, but we need more mm. you know and then yeah. what you do is you balance that up with uh, intelligent uh, people uh, who are industry experts from outside uh, rugby league to come in and I guess uh, challenge the thinking challenge the status quo of what currently exists inside the game but you can't I don't think you can shape strategy for any industry any business without uh, the right dose of industry expertise and that's certainly something that we've got right at the QRL. Oh, fantastic. And you touched on the junior side of the game. Um, what are your earliest memories of your life in rugby league? I started, How did you start it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember why I started playing rugby league. It was because uh, in 1988, uh, the Brisbane Broncos and the Gold Coast Giants had been welcomed into yeah. then, the then uh, New South Wales Rugby League. And I was yeah. living on the Gold Coast growing up. Uh, attending Crumman State School and happily playing hockey at the time. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, and in my final year of primary school, uh, my uh, I think that the school decided to, f- for the first time ever, participate in inter-school sport. And the two options they gave us uh, were rugby league and netball. <laughs> yeah. So rugby league for the boys, netball for the girls. Oh, yeah. So I kind of, in, in that same year, sort of being excited about the Broncos and and the Giants, and only having watched my first game of rugby league the year before, which was the 1987 Origin Series, oh, yeah. which Queensland won, if you remember. I think we were down 1-0 in that series and went on to win the two games. I think it was Elfie's first series. Oh. He sort of captured everyone's imagination. That, that LA game wasn't counted that year, was it? No. That was a separate... Yeah, yeah, so... yeah exhibition match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so 1988 arrives. I start playing rugby league at school, and then I actually... Uh, decided to jump out of hockey and started playing for the Tugan Seahawks hey. on the Gold Coast. Are they still around? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Then, uh, I think uh, the, they started as the uh, Tugan Seahawks at a different venue from the senior club and have now morphed into, I think they're now called the Currumman Seagulls. And the Tugan Seahawks Seniors Club have now got their own juniors. Oh, right. Yeah, so okay. out of one club, uh, two were born. That's gross, it isn't is, it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm telling you nothing here, um, but you came off the bench in round five of 95 against the Steelers in Wollongong uh, for your debut, um, according to the records. Like, what, what is going through your head as a 16 or 17-year-old at the time? Like, what did you make of it all back then? Yeah, so I was first year out of high school, so I'd uh, <laughs> just turned 18, and uh, oh, 18, sorry. it was all moving so very quick. Yeah, so it just, you know, I... I was playing for Palm Beach Crumman High School the year before. Yep. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been lucky enough uh, to do okay through my final year of school, got selected in the Australian schoolboy, so I'd been exposed to sort of a high level of uh, junior rugby league. But I'll never forget that first season playing grade, that first game I had against grown men. And, and to be fair, that was the most nervous I was. It was a trial. And so by the time I'd sort of worked my way through reserve grade and uh, got put on the bench uh, for the Seagulls against the Steelers down there in, in the gong, 
um, I wasn't overthinking it. I'd already made okay. that first step. Yeah, I, it's you're 18. I think the most important thing you do when you're 18 is f- figure out, you know, where your shoes are. <laughs> you, you, you put them on and get on with your day, and just yeah. kind of live in the moment, and then go to bed at night. It's it, you don't think too deeply about things. No. Um, I, I'll tell you what I do remember <laughs> about making my debut is I can't remember much about the game, but we finished up in Wollongong, got ourselves back to Sydney Airport, flew into Coolangatta, and at that time I was, I think I was studying at Griffith University and I was pouring beers part-time at the Coolangatta Hotel. I've uh, made my first grade debut and all the, uh, my my fellow first graders had decided they were gonna go for a beer at the Coolangatta Hotel where I was working part-time. We, we came back from, yeah, yeah. The, from the airport, which is only about a sort of 15-minute uh, bus ride to the pub, and I was ready to settle in and have a few beers with my teammates, and the day I made my first grade debut, and my boss, who was there when we arrived, made me put on the apron and work for the next four hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, picking up, uh, picking up glasses and pouring beers God. on the same day. Just because you're a first grader yeah, now yeah, doesn't yeah, mean yeah. it. Correct. Um, and I know you've told this story a billion times, but it's my favourite rugby league story. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. Does it involve a redhead? Um, yes, it does. <laughs> and and the reason I love it is because everybody can relate to it. Everybody would have put these, the, themselves in the situation of rocking up to somewhere and not being known yeah. who you are, and you know you're the you're the you're the stranger in the room, and you haven't proven yourself yet. But yeah, my question is, um, can you share that? Um, you know, Fatty Vorton didn't know who you were. Yeah, Sorry yeah. for the billionth time. Like, yeah. you know, what, what, what were the circumstances leading up to it? And how did you um, get invited into the Maroons I found out, system? I found out on TV, you know, the night before. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah. I had no idea that I was going to be selected. I actually had been picked in the uh, Queensland under-19s team. <laughs> and um, a little bit like my first grade debut for the Seagulls, you know, the year before, I'd actually played for the Queensland under-17s in a curtain raiser before the first game of the 94 Origin Series, okay, yeah. which is the Mark Coyne try. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Darren Lockyer was in that Queensland under-17s side. Who I think he went on to do OK. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. <clears throat> um, and so fast forward 12 months, and I'm sitting there not long having made my first grade debut with my two roommates, and we actually thought, well, we'll watch the naming of the side, which was on free-to-air, to see if they pick Super League players, because that was the time oh, the Super League war had broken that, out. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, when we heard Robbie O'Davis's name read out as fullback, uh, we thought, yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're not going to pick the Broncos. You know, Adrian Lamb was the halfback in front of Helfie Langer. Um, Dale Shearer was named at 5'8". You know, he was a great player back in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time they got to the bench... Uh, I was, uh, they read out number 14 from the Gold Coast Seagulls, Ben Iken. And I, 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 I sort of looked at my two mates and, you know, one of them's, his, his jaw had just dropped to the floor. He was like, no way. Didn't, there was no words. No words. And then the phone rang at home and I ran over to pick up the phone and it was my dad. And the first thing he said to me was, is there another Ben Iken on the Gold Coast? And I just, no, that's me, I'm in, I'm in, you know. So I, I packed my bag and head up to uh, the Travel Lodge in Roma Street the next day. I had no idea what to expect and uh, went over to the concierge, told him who I was, why I was here. He said, mate, State of Origin team is up on the sixth floor. So he takes me around to the lift, I get in. Just as the lift doors were closing, <coughs> this hand comes in with a tuft of red fur on the back. 
and the lift doors open back up and there he is, the fat man. Yeah. Paul Vorton, he's with Matt Singh, who okay. was also making his debut that year. They're talking about the series, how good it is, excited. They pay me no mind. They kind of give me a quick uh, glance uh, up and down and then turn their backs and keep talking are, about Are you just in normal civilian clothing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, well, Fatty reckons I was in thongs, board shorts, a singlet with hat backwards, which is not true. <laughs> Looking like Van Eyck. Yeah, I, I was certainly five. dressed like a surfer, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I did plenty of back then. Uh, so we ride the lift together, we get out on the sixth floor, and Fatty, uh, of course, walks out with Matt Singh. I trail him behind because I'm part of the team. So wherever they're going, I think I need to be. Fatty must have got a sense that I was trailing in behind, and he turns around, looks me up and down, and says, look, mate, uh, this floor's for State of Origin players only. If you want some autographs, you'll have to wait downstairs in the foyer. Nice. And I always claim that I said back to him, piss off, mate, go and get the coach, he'll tell you who I am. Which is not true, not true. I, I sort of said, no, mate, my name's Ben Eichen. I'm in your team. And he just gave the uh, the famous fatty head wobble and said, well, you better come in then. Really? Yeah, yeah. That was it. So he, he literally had no idea. Yeah that he was riding the lift with one of his players. Can, can you believe, off the back of that, he would then go on to coach uh, uh, series victory? 3-0. Can't believe Unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the greatest origin series results-wise. Yeah, it's, it? mate, it's, 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 it's a, a, a wonderful example of that old saying that great teams are more than the sum of their individual parts. Yep, yep. In, sometimes you don't know where you find that sort of deeper connection uh, that allows you uh, to be better as a whole than you are as individuals, but it just, it just happened that year. You know, it's, I, I remember at some point through the origin uh, journey under Mel Meninga that uh, Paul Kent stumbled across something that Corey Parker had said about, you know, when you represent Queensland, it's not about just doing your own job well, it's about helping your mate do his. And Kenny had this epiphany, which I thought was <laughs> magnificent, that, that that is the truest definition of giving 110%. <laughs> Doing your job to the best of your ability and helping your mate do his. And and that's essentially what that series, Victory in 1995, was built on. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, it's magic. Yeah. Even New South Wales people get uh, entertained by, by that story. Yeah. So that Origin series, um, how, did, how did you play personally? Oh, no, you I played off the bench. You yeah. know, I, I sort of, I think I had... 20, about 20 minutes in each of the games. Oh, okay. And sometimes, you know, if I look back now, I think Fatty just did the right thing, putting <laughs> me on the field. He wanted me to feel part of it. It was a huge risk. I mean, I was an outside back. Yeah. Who carries an outside back? To, you know, he's a reserve, <laughs> particularly one that's only played three first-grade games. But he put me on and did a bit of shuffling, and, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, get on in that game, first game, at 2-0, and not be the bloke that... You know, led in a try and cost Queensland the victory. Even, I think, uh, got put into some space down the sideline, which was fun. Uh, the second game, I can't really remember what I did football-wise. All I remember is being on the bench when that brawl broke out oh, okay. at yeah. the MCG. Yeah, I was lucky. Yeah, yeah, I was glad I was on the bench. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I jagged the try in game three off the back of a, a spilt bomb from my uh, future North Sydney Bears teammate, Matt Sears. Adrian oh. Lamb put one up. Poor old Sears, he dropped the ball and... I ran through, scooped it up, and I, I remember uh, at that by that stage, the, the game was won, you know, and we were back at Lang Park, as it was then, and that feeling of scoring the try and then walking back uh, to receive the kickoff in front of the Queensland crowd, oh. how loud they were, yeah, yeah. was just something else. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. And you're segueing beautifully here. It's Because um, my next question was, you must think it's... 
do you think it's funny how you, you work at Fox Sports now, just, a, you know, a couple of kicks down the road from where you played most of your NRL or ARL games for North Sydney? Like, is, do you have, like, a bit of a connection to this area, do, do you feel? Uh, not really. I, okay. I, I, as, I, as, I, as I get older, I become uh, more narrow. Uh, <laughs> so my, I must say, I, some would call me OCD. I'm a, I, I call it organised <laughs> and routined. Um, but I kind of come down here on a Monday. I, I get to my hotel here in St. Leonard's, which I've been staying at, I think, for five or six years. I'm now officially the longest staying client that they've ever had. And it's about 100 metres from Fox Sports, so I, I do not venture far from this sort of, you know, 500 metre meter radius. There's a little cafe over the road at the TAFE yeah, yeah. that I eat at every day. <laughs> the family who own the cafe have kind of adopted me. Yeah. I've been to weddings and christenings, and yeah, it's amazing. And so I've kind of got this triangle, it's sort of hotel, uh, North Sydney TAFE Cafe and, and Fox Sports, they're all within about 100 metres of each other. Yeah. And um, occasionally I've drifted into uh, Crow's Nest. Oh, look out. And I, it, it, it does bring the memories back. <clears throat> occasionally I drive, well, I always drive past North Sydney Oval from the airport here to St Leonard's and I, I look up the hill to North Sydney Oval number two. We used to do most of our training. Oh, okay. But... Um, it's like that period that I had at the Bears yeah. in my mind is in a is in a box on a shelf. It's like it's a very clear four year period in my life. Yeah, you played ninety nine games for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got here in uh, the end of ninety five and played ninety six through ninety nine. That last season, of course, was out of Gosford when we all moved up and oh, right. the Bears were trying. Uh, to earn themselves a spot in the competition in 2000. Ultimately, they'd become the Northern Eagles. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if I think hard on it, there I had some great times yeah. at the Bears. But w- while I'm here, I've been coming down to Sydney <laughs> now so long um, while living in Brisbane that I, I probably don't think much about the Bears. I, I, I do enjoy occasionally catching up with old Bears teammates. You know, I... Still mates with Josh Stewart, the jaw, uh, okay, yeah, who's yeah. actually the, the uncle to Nathan Cleary. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Josh's sister, uh, Rebecca, married Ivan, and they had um, a family together. Uh, Jason Taylor uh, was my captain. Uh, occasionally CJT. Uh, Billy Moore comes down here from Queensland every Wednesday to do yeah. NRL 360. I've seen Dave Fairley's come in. Uh, oh. Greg Florimo occasionally we catch up with. I'll go to the... Um, the North Sydney Bears annual luncheon, fundraising luncheon. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, so it was a it was a wonderful time. They were a great club, very professional, very well funded. Uh, we had a great team for the four years I was here. So mm. I've got nothing but uh, fond memories about my time at North Sydney. Yeah. Oh, that's, how do Queenslanders view Sydney clubs like that? Like, is there a, is there a bit of a, a sense of, yeah, it's just a footy club and it's in Sydney? Or is there like a really deep respect for the history and that sort of thing? When, of when you get here, there is. You know, the, the funny, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I remember yeah. when I played the Australian schoolboys team, I came to Sydney uh, with a fellow called Troy Perkins, uh, who was in the, also in the team, before we would go out and play our game in parks. And uh, Troy was at that stage contracted to the Belmain Tigers. Yep. And I still remember staying at his house before we headed out to Parks, and he didn't live far from Leichhardt Oval. We walked up to Leichhardt, and this is me who'd never visited uh, a Sydney club in my entire life up until this point. <coughs> and what I now know is, you know, uh, romantic nostalgia, 
um, overcame me when I, I walked into the, the sheds and saw the names on the lockers and like they were ra- random names you know like the, the one that sticks out and a, a bloke who I was a big fan of was David Basari oh, yeah. David Basari yeah, 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 yeah. saw the lock 5-8 uh, centre for the Tigers and I just went and stood in front of his locker and thought wow this is and, and I'm sure I didn't articulate it this way as a, as a 17 year old but I look back now and I, I kind of I think the feeling was I'm in the birthplace of rugby league. This mm. is where it all started. Mm. And I then walked out onto the, the training pitch at Leichhardt Oval and there was a young guy uh, by the name of Wes Patton. Oh, yeah. A, a young halfback who, who was coming through the grazing at the Tigers, also a star on Home and Away. <laughs> and he was electric, you know. He was sort of in the Preston Campbell mold, would end up at the Chargers and um, played some great footy. And Perko took me over and we had a chat to Wes Patton. And I, I, I walked out of Leichhardt absolutely buzzing <laughs> buzzing you know but I, I would never have appreciated yeah. uh, the importance of the role that Sydney has played in rugby league coming from Queensland had I not had that experience and I think it's okay. it's not until which time you uh, you come down and you either uh, you're from Queensland and you choose one of those Sydney clubs or perhaps you're playing for a Queensland club and uh, you know, that the first experience you have playing at a Sydney ground, that it kind of dawns on you. At least that was the case for me. May not be for everybody, mm. but that um, that Leichhardt Oval experience was certainly something I'll never forget. Oh, what a fantastic answer. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, and just, just a couple more questions. Um, you won a premiership with the Broncos in 2000. One of the things I'm always interested in is the Broncos' relationship with with Brisbane and the Brisbane people. Is it still the same as what it was back when you played and back in the late 80s? Like, is it still the number one sort of identity? It is, of course, but uh, is the entirety of of Brisbane and and Queensland still in love with the Broncos the way that they were when they first entered? No, 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 only because the Broncos were um, so successful so quick that they just captured everyone's imagination and they sucked up. That The smart play was, you know, the sucking, the sucking all that great talent out of the Maroon side, <laughs> you know. So you, you start a uh, your, your rugby league journey in the, the New South Wales rugby leagues it was back then with, you know, Alfie Langer as your halfback and Wally Lewis as your captain of 5'8", yeah. you know, throwing Gene Miles and I think Colin Scott and, you know, <laughs> Sam Bacco and, you know, it's, it was, it, they, were, they were just, they had star power. Yep. And so you're engaged immediately. And then, of course, you know, um, they had some great battles with uh, the other teams early. And I, I remember growing up and just being completely and utterly fascinated by the uh, Broncos-Raiders matchups. Yep. I was a Raiders fan uh, because basically uh, the Raiders had most of the Queenslanders before the Broncos came. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they kind of got me in and uh, I remained a Raiders fan. Uh, but the, the Broncos were a big deal, even on the Gold Coast where I was growing up. So I can still remember going to Tweed, uh, Tweedhead Stadium to watch the Gold Coast Giants play the Brisbane Broncos and being from the Gold Coast, but only going there to cheer for the Broncos. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's right. And the Gold Coast Giants ended up winning. Billy Johnson was the captain yeah. and uh, scored, a, I think, a 40-metre try from memory. <laughs> and, um, but I, I went there to watch the Bronx. And what's happened over time is that um, there have been other clubs introduced into Queensland. I remember when I first started playing for the Broncos, whenever we'd go up to play the Cowboys, the Broncos supporters at, at Townsville would outnumber the Cowboys supporters. 
But then, of course, the, the Cowboys of the last 10, 15 years have captured the imagination of the, the North Queensland public. So that sh- yeah. shift has happened. So yeah. the Broncos have kind of, and, and, and the Gold Coast Titans, you know, had a bit of success early on and have sort of remained thereabouts. So there's probably not as many Broncos supporters on the Gold Coast. So they've just kind of slowly um, uh, scaled back to, to their, their, their core fan base being in yeah. Brisbane. And then, you know, the, the thing about... Uh, being a, a really big deal, having a lot of star power and a big profile, mm. is that you polarise the market. So if you go to Brisbane, th- there will be a split down the middle. There will be the people who hate the Broncos and yep. support a, a Sydney club or another club, and then there are the rusted ons. And I reckon the, the Broncos supporters are as rusted on as any supporter group in the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I sort of monitor the NRL 360 inbox. So I, got, I get a lot of okay. emails just to get a sense of who's saying what. And I find that when the Broncos are in the headlines for the wrong reasons, it is their supporter base that is uh, arguing the strongest is that right? to support their club and the decisions that they make, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's oh. fascinating. So, you know, while their support across the state is probably not what it used to be for other reasons, in Brisbane, they are still the biggest deal in town. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure, yeah. Um, just finally, um, just wanted to end with this. Seeing as though you work for a, a pay television um, a broadcaster. How do you think television over the last 10 years has changed um, the rugby league experiences? Because I know that there's a, a bunch of, you know, um, crit- criticism going around about low crowds and that sort of thing. Like, are you ever pulled into that argument? Like, you know, your, te- your television station's coverage is that good that, you know, it might be keeping people from going to the games? Or is, is, yeah. it, is that sort of argument floating around in the background somewhere? It's not something I've deeply considered, but I, I would like to think that the, the insight that we provide here at you know, Fox League specifically gets people more rusted on. That's what I, yeah. More yeah. engaged. And yeah. the more engaged you are, the, the more willing you're probably going to be to turn up at the venue. You oh, know? Spot on. The more I watch Fox Sports and, yeah. and the other and nine and... The more I read about it, the more I want to go and watch footy live. Because you only, to, to be fair, you, you only need to turn up, what is it, 12 or 13 times a year. <laughs> yeah. 12. Yeah. Tw- it's 12 home games, you know, yeah. plus the finals. <laughs> you know, so while, what are there, eight games every week on um, Nine and Fox? Yeah. You know, you've only got sort of 12 home games a year as a fan. Um, so, you know, you, you get to absorb all this information on the magazine shows through the week about your club and what they're doing and what they're not doing well. I mean, it's just all opinion and sometimes you want to jump through the screen and punch on with Ben Eichen or, or, or Paul Kent because you, you don't <laughs> agree or, you, you know, you, and you're intensely on side with what we're saying. But either way, we, we hope that you're engaged in, you know, the, the rugby league conversation. And to my earlier point, it makes sense to me that if you are fully engaged in the rugby league conversation and you support a team, then you are going to be more willing to turn up and support that team yeah. when they play at home, yeah. I would think. But, you know, the numbers probably don't support that argument. So hopefully we just keep plugging away. We keep telling the rugby league story as well as we possibly can uh, and keep people interested. And then hopefully at some point, 
when interest matches experience <laughs> at the home grounds and the stadiums become everything that Todd wants them to be, <laughs> then all of a sudden we start to see a spike in numbers again. Maybe you should be broadcasting from NRL grounds, maybe. Maybe, yeah. So <laughs> when you, when you turn up and watch uh, NRL 360 before <laughs> you go into the ground, uh, get nice and angry, <laughs> try and punch on with PK, <laughs> Look out. and go and support your team. No, that's great. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, James. That was much fun. (laughs) Good on you.